0: Hello! Welcome to Dungeon Delving. I'm Brandon Wagner, and today I'm continuing my series of episodes on classes by delving into the Druid. Uh, Druid is a class that I really like. It has, between uh, the Player's Handbook and Xanathar's Guide at least, it has the least number of archetypes, with only four. Most of the classes between the two books have five or six, with a couple pulling ahead and Druid falling behind. But Druid doesn't need more. The four circles of the Druid in these two books are all phenomenal. They're, I think, very well developed. They do a good job of taking different aspects of the Druid, both mechanically and thematically, and playing them up. And we'll talk about that as we get to each circle. But all four feel very distinct, but still feel like a Druid. Um... Druid is a class that is very flexible. You can do a lot of different things with Druid. It's not as flexible as, say, a rogue or a bard, obviously, with bard being the king of flexibility. But more so than the bard, I think, the Druid has the ability to fit into multiple roles in your party. If, you're, if you have a very metagaming party that wants to have roles filled the druid can kind of fit into what's missing so we'll talk about the features and we'll talk about the circles and we'll talk about just druids and we're gonna have a good time because i really like druid Uh, druid's hit die is 1d8 it has a few armor proficiencies light armor medium armor shields however they have a caveat that they can't use metal armor or shields it says a druid will not wear armor or use shields made of metal so that's a limitation that you have on yourself as a druid player that you have to keep in mind, but you're a spellcaster. So for you, the you don't need to be collecting super powerful equipment. Um, you'll collect staffs, I guess. Uh, you get a few weapon proficiencies, more so than other casters. You get clubs, daggers, jar- darts, charts, javelins, mazes, quarterstaffs, scimitars, sickles, slings, spears... I personally like to use a club or a quarterstaff as a druid because druid has a spell called Shalala that allows them to take a wooden weapon and have its damage become 1d8 and count as magical. And that's really powerful early in the game. Um, it's, a, it's just a fun ability. You always have a way to hurt ghosts. <laughs> uh, they get herbalism kit, proficiencies, intelligence wisdom are their saving throw proficiencies. Wisdom is their spellcasting ability. Because druid is a spellcasting class. It's not like fighter or rogue or ranger that has some spells sometimes. Well, ranger always has spells, but I would still not consider ranger to be a spellcaster class because that's not their primary means of doing what they're going to do. Um, they get the language druidic, which is like thieves can't. It's not a... That rogues get it's not a language that anyone can just learn you know if you're playing a class that gets or a background or a race that just gets some extra languages druidic isn't one that you can just pick only druids get it Um, people that don't know druidic can see that there's a message in druidic somewhere but they can't decipher it without magic uh, they get spellcasting. Uh, like I said, Wisdom is their spellcasting ability. They get a spellcasting focus, which is really nice. Um, having a spellcasting focus is just great. That's all there is to it. Uh, that's all they get at first level. They don't get much at first level in terms of features. It's not like Barbarian or that gets uh, their rage at first level. Druid gets their... Definitive ability at level 2 in wild shape. Along with choosing your druid circle at second level, you get wild shape, which lets you turn into animals. There's limitations. At second level, your max CR of the beast you can turn into is 1 quarter, and you can't turn into something with a flying speed or a swimming speed. At fourth level, your max CR is 1 half, and you can't, still can't turn into something with a flying speed. And then at eighth level, your max CR becomes 1 And you can turn to something with flying or uh, swimming speed. The examples they give are wolf for second level, crocodile for fourth, giant eagle for eighth. Um, You have two uses of wild shape per long rest. Um, Is it per long rest? Or is it per short rest? oh no it's per short rest i'm sorry it's per short rest you can you short rest to refill your wild shapes which is which makes it less not good <laughs> um at 20th level though you get a feature called artist druid that does a few things and one of the things it does is it gives you unlimited uses of wild shape so until your 20th level though you can't just transform and transform and transform and uh Wildshape has a massive block of rules text, so we'll very briefly go through that. Um, your how long you stay transformed unless you choose to end it is a number of hours equal to half your druid level. Um, when you transform, you assume that beast's abilities, saving throw proficiencies. Um, oh no, you retain yours. You retain your intelligence, wisdom, and charisma scores and your skills and saving throw proficiencies in addition to gaining those of the creatures and if a creature has the same proficiency as you in something and theirs is higher you use theirs if yours is higher you use yours um the knights the really good thing about it is the hit points the hit points is the big draw of wild shape to me as a combat ability um when you take damage in b-shape you take damage to the To the beast's hit points, not to your druid hit points. Uh, That said, if you drop to zero, any leftover damage gets dealt to your druid hit points. So if you have one health left and you take five damage, you go to zero, revert back to druid form, and then take four damage. But, yeah, you you uh, you can't cast spells until you're at 18th level, but you can maintain concentration on concentration spells. However, if you're, playing a, if you're using a Concentration spell that you need to activate, you can't activate it. Um, I already mentioned Beast Spells. You get that at 18th level. From 2nd to 18th level, the Druid doesn't get anything outside of their Circle Features. Um, at 18th level, you get Beast Spells, which lets you cast spells in Wild Shape. But you can't provide material components, so some of those bigger spells you can't use. Uh, you get Timeless Body at 18th level, which is, I think, one of the dumbest abilities in 5th edition. Outside of very specific scenarios that I came up with while I was working on this episode. What Timeless Body does is it makes it so you age slower. For every 10 years that pass, you only age one year. So unless you're playing a campaign that's going to span decades to an extent that your characters will age and that will matter, it doesn't do anything, you know. (laughs) Um, But... Yeah, it's 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 silly. But when I was thinking about it though, I was like, Thomas' body it's kind of dumb. It's kind of not a good ability. But you can use it, it, it as a DM. You could use it if you have a druid in your party who maybe hasn't had a chance to really be in the spotlight yet. You could curse the party. You'd be like, all right, everybody in the party gets cursed, and which it had to be a pretty potent curse because you know. You get the 18th level, but you curse the party so that everybody in it ages like 50 years. And if none of your players are playing as races that have particularly long lives, like elves or dwarves, then they age, they get detriments for being old and, but the druid doesn't, you know, you're like, all right, you're like, all right, this curse happens, all of you fail your saving throws, so all of you age 50 years, and the druid only ages five, because they have timeless body, so now, the druid is the one that has to do most of the work, because they're the only one that's not decrepit and old, so, I feel like Timeless Body offers you some very unique, interesting scenarios, but for the most part, it's a feature that you're never really going to interact with or use, especially because a lot of people I know that play Druid play an elf who already lives for a thousand years, so I'm just going to age for, I'm just going to live for 10,000 more that said, too, if you want to have an NPC that's a druid, you could actually have, like, a 5,000-year-old elf that's just like, what up? I'm here. <laughs> um, at 20th level, you get Archdruid, which I already mentioned gives you a bit of wild shapes. It also lets you cast, ignore verbal and semantic components of druid spells, as well as material opponents that lack a cost and aren't consumed. Which is just, it's nuts. So, your spell casting becomes... Something that you just can do. Like, magic just happens around you. So, at second level, you pick your circle. We'll dig into those circles now. And like I mentioned earlier, I feel like all the circles take aspects of the druid, both mechanically and thematically, and kind of play those up. So, all these druids very much feel like druids, but they're taking different aspects of what makes the druid and highlighting them. And that's what I really like about this class, and why the fact that it only has four archetypes within the two main books of archetypes is okay with me. Because it's like I don't feel like Druid got the short end of the stick. Because I feel like it's the Druid circles are all really well built and do a lot to make the Druid feel good to play. Um, the circle of the land is pretty self-explanatory. It's the druid's connection to the land. You get uh, extra spells at 3rd, 5th, 7th, and ninth level that relate to the land. So when you pick the circle, you choose what environment you want. Arctic, coast, desert, forest, grassland, mountains, swamp, underdark. And you get spells that reflect it. So like Arctic, you get s- uh, Sleet Storm. You get uh, Cone of Cold. Just to name a couple. Coast gets Misty Step, Water Breathing. Desert gets Create Food and Water, uh, Wall of Stone. Forest gets Bark Skin and uh, Plant Growth. Grassland gets Daylight and Insect Plague. Mountain gets Spike Growth and Meld into Stone. Swamp gets Water Walk and scrying for some reason but whatever underdark gets spider climb gaseous form invisibility stuff like that um you also get a bonus cantrip at second level and at second level you get a feature called natural recovery which lets you regain spell slots up to fifth level and totaling half your druid level during a short rest so you're getting extra spell slots back um so the limitation on that is like let's say you're a 10th level druid you can regain two fifth level or one fifth level slot or a third and a second level or three firsts and a second level or a fourth and a first some combination of that equaling half your druid level you get land stride at sixth level which difficult terrain that's non-magical doesn't cost you extra movement. You can pass through non-magical plants without being slowed by them or taking damage from hazards like, th- like spines or thorns. And additionally, you have save- advantage on saving throws against plants that are magically created or manipulated to impede your movement. At 10th level, you get Nature's Ward, so you can't be charmed or frightened by elementals and fae, and you're immune to poison and disease. And then at 14th level, you get a feature called Nature Sanctuary that makes it so that when a beast or plant attacks you, they have to make a wisdom saving throw against your spell DC. And on a fail, they have to choose a different target. Or if they can't choose a different target, the attack just misses. So this is really nice if you're playing your druid as kind of a squishy in-the-back spellcaster because if something comes to get you, and attacks you, and there's no one else within reach, and they fail that saving throw, they just miss. And they can keep potentially keep missing until they succeed on that saving throw, then they're immune to it for 24 hours. One thing to note is that the creatures are aware of this effect before making the attack. So, me, as a DM, if I had a druid in my party that was a circle of land and had that nature sanctuary... I would have my elementals and beasts specifically not attack the druid at all. Because I would know about the feature and I'd be like, yeah, I would I would as the DM extend that feature into being this creature's not going to attack you. I would attack the druid if there's no one else within range of my movement and the druid like attacked and the druid attacked one of the the beast. So that's just the way I would do it as, as the DM to kind of have that ability have a more subtle effect but i just think about that kind of stuff as a druid and i think you should too you should think about that kind of stuff as a as a dm not as a druid because um it helps to make your features and class matter all the time um that's all the features for circle the land so thematically like i said this is the this is the druid's connection to the land itself and mechanically it's a spellcaster druid and also mechanically it gets a lot of spells that let you manipulate the environment and that's kind of druid's big thing because even the normal base druid spell list has these kinds of spells and it lets you it lets you manipulate the battlefield in I think, really interesting ways. I really like playing... I'm playing a druid in Adam's campaign, and I really like the fact that I can create hazards and manipulate the battlefield. And that's really where druid shines as a spellcaster, is controlling the battlefield. But I'm getting off off track. We're talking about specific circles. Uh, So next we have Circle of the Moon. And Circle of the Moon is all about Wild Shape. Of the five features that Circle of the Moon gets, one of them isn't directly interacting with the Druids Wild Shape ability. Uh, the Circle of the Moon is Druids that are fierce guardians of the wild, and that's that's the thematic aspect of the Circle of the Moon. Is Druids protect the wilderness, and Circle of the Moon Druids do so violently. <laughs> Uh, whereas other druids might use their spellcasting to strengthen the land or hide things from people that would hurt it, the Circle of the Moon druid is going to turn into a bear and maul you. <laughs> um, and it's all about, all about Wild Shape. Uh, at second level, you get two features. You get Combat Wild Shape, which lets you use Wild Shape as a bonus action rather than as an action. And you can expend your spell slots to regain 1d8 hit points per level of the spell slot. So this is a druid where if you are playing a campaign that doesn't have as many encounters, maybe per long rest, you're only going to have one or two encounters, but they're going to be a little more intensive counters. And you're like, well, I'm not going to be casting spells. Let me just expend my ninth level spell slot to gain a ton of hit points. You know, you're talking like... What would it be? 72 hit points for a ninth level spell slot? Yeah, 72 hit points for a ninth level spell slot maximum. That's a lot. It's a lot of hit points. Um, this plays into the way I use uh, Wild Shape, because I'm playing a Circle of the Moon Druid, in that I'm kind of playing our party's tank i don't do as much damage we have a monk and a fighter and a ranger that all do more damage than me generally every now and then i get a good hit in but i soak so much damage because i turn into things that are big and that have a large health pool when i'm deciding like what what animal shape do i want to use for this encounter usually i'm not looking at abilities as much as i'm looking at how much health do i have what's my ac How am I going to be able to just soak damage for the party? And that has to do with the other level 2 feature of Circle of the Moon, which is the Circle Forms. What this does is it overrides the CR limitations that Wild Shape has. It keeps the limitations on flying and Swimming Speed Beasts, but it allows your—at level 2, your max CR is 1. So already, at level 2, you could turn into the most powerful beasts that other druids will ever be able to turn into. Um, and then starting at 6th level, your CR becomes your druid level divided by 3. So, and it's rounded down, so it maxes at CR 6. But still, you can turn to much higher CR creatures, uh, like woolly mammoths, and just be huge and devastating and powerful. And, you know, at 20th level... When you're fighting the Tarask, you're not going to be able to turn into any beast that can 1v1 it (laughs) and have any chance of survival. Like, a lot of the things you're going to fight at 20th level, a 6th level beast can't take down by itself. But the fact that you can soak a lot of damage because your beast health doesn't necessarily come out of your... uh, Druid health and the fact that at 20th level you have unlimited beast shape uses, you can just be like, Oh man, I turned into a woolly mammoth, took my full health of damage with like two damage overlap, so I take two damage to my druid health, and then on my next turn I combat wild shape into a woolly mammoth again, and just basically your beast boy (laughs) if you're playing circle of the moon. Um, at sixth level, you get a feature called primal strike that. Makes your beast, your wild shape attacks count as magical. At 10th level, you can expend both of your uses of wild shape because until your 20th level, you only have two to turn into an elemental. Uh, this is pretty good. They can do a bit more damage than a lot of beasts. They have elemental attacks, so they have more opportunity to uh, take advantage of weaknesses. But. I still would prefer, at least by the time I get to a higher level, to turn to something with just a lot more health because of the way I use it. And then at 14th level, you get the only feature in Circle of the Moon that isn't wild shape related, and that's Thousand Forms, which lets you cast Alter Self at will. Um. Circle of the Now that's all we've got for the player's handbook. Now we're into Xanthar's Guide. Where we have the verse, the Circle of Dreams. This is. Druids that hail from regions with strong ties to the Feywild and its dreamlike realms. Um, this is the Druids have a strong connection to life energy, and the Feywild is a plane of abundant life. So, this is your Druid that. Exemplifies that aspect of the druid of just the life energy, the font of healing and life energy. And mechanically, it's your healer. So, like, if your party, if the hole in your party is that you don't have a cleric or a bard that can heal reliably, the circle of the dreams drawers is actually really good at it. So, a second level, you get Balm of the Summer Court. Ah. You have a pool of fey energy represented by a number of d6s equal to your druid level. And as a bonus action, you can expend any number of those dice up to half your druid level. And roll them and heal the target for that much. They also get one temporary hit point per die. So you're healing them and giving them a little bit of a shield. It's like... um. It's like Brigida's armor pack in Overwatch. (laughs) Um, So at 20th level, though, you can use up to 10 in a turn. So let's say you're like, oh, one of my party members took a lot of damage. I'm at 20th level. I'm going to, as a bonus action, heal them for 10d6 and give them 10 temporary hit points. Which 10 temporary hit points at 20th level is not a ton, but it's still temporary hit points on top of up to 60 healing. Uh, Long rests regain your expended die, not short. Uh, At 6th level, you get a feature that allows you to um, protect your party while you sleep. When you take a long rest, you can put a sphere of magic that counts for total cover and gives you and your allies plus 5 to stealth and perception checks, and any light isn't visible from outside at 10th level, you can use a bonus action to teleport up to 60 feet or touch a willing creature and teleport them 30 feet. And you can use this equal to a number time of equal to your wisdom modifier. And then at 14th level, you get a really interesting ability called Walker in Dreams. After you finish your short rest, you can cast uh, Dream, Scrying, or Teleportation Circle without expending a spell slot. And it's a special use of teleportation circle. Rather than opening a portal to a permanent teleportation circle, it opens a portal to the last location where you finished a long rest. So you can finish a long rest, do some exploring and traveling, and then teleport back to where you had your last long rest. So if you're if you're finding yourself in an environment that is hostile and the DM is being kind of brutal to you and you're not going to be able to take long rests you can just go back to your last long rest place and get out of there Uh, so you can really subvert your DM's attempts to punish your party by teleporting out of dangerous areas (laughs) Uh, and then finally we have the circle of the shepherd this is the uh, circle of life druid (laughs) Um, this druid, thematically, is about that nature's harmony, and they have a connection to fey and beasts. And uh, mechanically, they represent this with their kind of support features. This druid can kind of take the place of a bard in that they have some really interesting support abilities. Um, at second level, you gain two features: speech of the woods, which lets you converse with beasts and fae, and it gives you Sylvan as a language. You also gain the Spirit Totem, which lets you summon a bear, hawk, or unicorn spirit. And it affects a... You summon it somewhere you can see within 60 feet. It has an aura of 30 feet in every direction. It has a spectral appearance, but doesn't actually count as something being there. And as a bonus action, you can move it. It lasts for one minute, and you can use it once per short rest. The Bear Spirit gives each creature within its range when it appears temporary hit points equal to 5 plus your druid level, and it gives your allies advantage on strength and checks and saving throws. The Hawk Spirit makes it so that when a creature makes an attack roll against... A target in the spirit's aura. You can give that advantage. So if one of your allies. Within range of the aura attacks something. You can give them advantage on the attack roll. And it gives you and your allies advantage. On perception checks. The unicorn spirit. Gives you and your allies. Advantage on all checks. Made to detect creatures. Yeah. Also it allows you to if you cast a healing spell you heal everything within the range rather than oh no okay so if you cast a healing spell while you're within the aura that restores if you cast a spell that restores hit points to any creature inside or outside the aura each creature of your choice in the aura also regains hit points equal to your druid level so you cast a healing spell on something and then everybody else gets a little bit of a heal And if your target is, it doesn't say others. So if you're healing someone that's in the aura, you can heal them for the healing spell plus that extra little buff of healing. So yeah, this is those three already. Just like right off the bat, this is your very support druid uh, circle. Uh, At sixth level, you get mighty summoner. So when you when you conjure beasts or fae with your spells. They get two extra hit points per hit die they have, and the damage from their natural weapons is considered magical. At 10th level, your spirit totem safeguards the things that you summon. So if a beast or fey that you summon ends the turn within the range of your spirit totem aura, they regain hit points equal to half your druid level. And then at 14th level, the spirits you commune with will show up if you're reduced to 0 hit points. Uh, you immediately cast Conjure Animals as if it were casting you in the 9th level spell slot. Summons 4 beasts of your choice that are challenge rating 2 or lower. They receive no commands from you, they protect you from harm and attack your foes, and they last for 1 hour. And this is once per long rest. So once per long rest, if you go to zero, your animal friends show up out of nowhere and defend you. So this druid is your, your the pack druid. Um, you get support abilities. You get summoning abilities. This is a this is a really powerful druid, especially if you're fighting in if you're fighting in an area where the entirety of your area of combat will fit within your. Uh, Totem's aura, then you can just summon a bunch of beasts and have everything be really powerful all the time. Uh, there's a couple notes in Xanthar's Guide I want to go on before wrapping up this episode. There's a table for learning beast shapes. Um, technically, by the rules, you have to have seen a beast in order to transform into it. So Xanthar's Guide kind of gives you a lists, a few lists of creatures for different environments that you might have run into. Things that you'll have seen, depending on where you come from, and that way you can have a baseline of what beasts have I seen when you start the game. Um, As you, I would say as a DM, I'd be like, alright, what environment are you from? And everything in that environment you've seen but things outside of that environment you haven't yet necessarily i might make some exceptions but for the most part i would say you can increase your repertoire of beasts you can turn into as you level as you explore the world but um yeah that's what i've got for druid i like druid i think druid is a really well-designed class it's pretty powerful it's not a powerhouse it's a much more subtle class but it has the ability to have a consistently present effect on combat encounters and be very very it's just it's just so flexible um if your party doesn't have a lot of high hit point stuff you can play circle the moon and just have basically a shield of beast shape hit points if your party doesn't have a designated Spellcaster, you can play Circle of the Land and fill that role. If you don't have a dru- a bard, if nobody wants to play bard, you can play Circle of the Shepherd and have very powerful support effects. Uh, if you need a healer, you can play Circle of the Mo- Circle of Dreams and heal people constantly, consistently. Druid is just... It's such a cool class. It's a fun class. My wife plays Druid when she plays... Um I have a druid that I'm playing. I just... It's a great class. It's one of my favorite spellcasters. It probably is my favorite spellcaster. And it's a class that should never be underestimated for just how powerful it can be. It might not be as flashy as some of the other classes, but it definitely shouldn't be underestimated. Next week, we'll continue episodes on classes with The Fighter and i'm excited for that one because a lot of people i think look at fighter and think it's really basic really uh uninspired and i disagree and i'll tell you why next week (laughs) that's all for now and keep delving